0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Uh, this episode was really, really, really interesting. I interviewed Sarah Hannah Radcliffe, and um, it was really interesting to interview her. Um, and full like disclosure, I've actually worked with her privately, um, not on issues relating to the like really my body image or or food stuff, other other things. But I really wanted to hear her perspective in terms of the overlap between her work and my work. And we discussed before we started recording, you know, like, what is the, what is that overlap? What is that intersection? And it was, it was, it was, it became pretty obvious once we started talking that although she doesn't work directly with people in terms of their food and like what what I do, she does see it come up often that people feel badly about their bodies or people feel badly about their weight. And even through the discussion, we, I felt like we were um, developing our own sort of like, uh, understanding on where her work and my work m- may intersect, so it was very interesting. Um, and uh, who's ever listening to this knows that Sarah Khanna is amazing, and she's so s- brilliant and has so much to offer and so much to say. So it was just a really great opportunity to have her here on the podcast. Um, you may have noticed that I've been—I haven't been putting out as many episodes. I—I think that the. The actual counseling business part is very busy and um, I really do love doing the, these episodes and I enjoy them and they're so much fun and I, 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 w- I also want to make space for my own self-care and mental health and emotional well-being. So I won't be able to be putting out a podcast every week, but <laughs> I'm always coming up with ideas and I even for this, this week that I'm putting out this episode, I took off from seeing clients just to, um, you know, clear my head a little bit and make space for myself, my emotions, and then next week, I'm, I'm right back at it. And I think that that's um, a good advice for anyone who um, has a hard time taking off or making space for themselves. I think that this is, this is key to being a good person, being a good clinician, being a good parent, being a good spouse, being a good all-around better person. Um, but if you like this episode, please uh, give this a five-star rating <laughs> um, on Apple Podcasts, as well as you could also read it on YouTube, and the more people that read it and leave a review, it definitely moves up in the ranks, and other people who need this information can find it. And if you would like to schedule a free 20-minute consultation to see if, if intuitive eating is a good fit for you, go to my website, www.gillaglassberg.com, and you could sign up there for a free 20-minute consultation. And um, I really look forward to hearing from you, and as, as always, feedback is always welcome. Okay, have a great day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I've come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Into with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. And today I have Sarah Khanna Radcliffe. Hi, Sarah Khanna. How are you? I'm good.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank you, uh, so thank you. for coming on. So so nice.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah.
0: Of course. Um, so could you just tell the listeners where do you live and what do you do?
1: I live in Toronto, Canada, um, and I'm in full-time private practice as a psychologist. I Write books on family life. I, I'm a writer for Mishpacha um, magazine, weekly columnist. Um, I speak,
0: I Zoom. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, a lot of different things. Um, a lot. So of- did you did you always know that you wanted to be a therapist slash writer?
1: Um, I think as a child, I knew I wanted to be a writer. I want to write. But um, no, I never wanted to be a psychologist. That was not on my
0: to do list. No. <job. laughs> yeah. No, it, it
1: kind
0: of Yeah, I think I heard you on another podcast say that you are, are originally a speech therapist, or are you? You were. A I therapist? I originally wanted
1: to be a speech therapist. I mm-hmm. actually studied psycholinguistics, and my interest was in reading and thinking and writing and whatever. Um, I, I, yeah, it evolved. Um, that other podcast kind of tells the whole story of that yeah. journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll,
0: I can put that in the show notes also if people want. Yeah. To. yeah. So today's topic, I wanted, I really wanted to delve into like your your experience and your thoughts on people who come to you. Um, Not let's not specifically about body image. But um, when we were talking a few weeks ago, before we were like recording today, you, you were saying that like me as a dietitian, I talk a lot about body image and a lot about people struggling with their weight and things like that, struggling to accept their body. And I know you said that's not something that you directly work with, but that it definitely comes up. So I wanted to know if you could go there, like what's the, what are the common themes that you see with your clients and um, like just anything that you wanted to share in terms of like tips, tools, also really like why, why you think that like comes up so often.
1: Right. So when I said, I I don't directly, directly deal with it, I think of um, two parts to eating issues. Um, So there's only one part that i don't deal with which i'll mention in a minute and then and then i do deal with the other part and that's what we're going to talk about today Mm -hmm. so of the two parts there there's a body and mind part kind of um to eating disorders so there's the science of um how food is processed biologically in different biological systems and different bodies and stuff so um somebody might want help with actual diet or something like like what they should eat or how much they should eat or when they should eat. I mean, somebody might want that. I don't ever do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the part I don't do. Um, but the part that I do do is the psychological part of, um, of the relationship we have with ourselves and with food. And that does come up in general counseling all the time because It just seems to be that um, body image and um, the way we look and the way we feel physically um, and the way we feel about ourselves is just a a very common issue that people struggle with. So that's how that comes up. Mm
0: -hmm. I was actually just thinking before, like, do you think that like 100 years ago or like 500 years ago, people struggled so much with the way that they looked? Because now we have like mirrors everywhere and we have social media. But like, and I feel like, I feel like everyone I speak to is like, I don't think I know any woman who loves the way that they look, basically. It's so sad. It's so sad. (laughs) So So I wonder. Yeah, I don't know about 500 years ago, because I I haven't done any
1: research on if that was the case 500 years ago when I wasn't around then. So I have no idea. But you're right about today's world. (laughs) Like it's the visual is become so um, painfully obvious all over the place. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's worse probably than it was before because of that. But um, it might always have been bad. I think that, um, you know, women um, have a thing about being attractive kind of built into their system. So it could be that um, self-consciousness about the way they look might have mean just might be part of the feature of being a woman for all we mm-hmm. know. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But do you think more that- men are concerned now than, than they used to be? Because right. the same social media kind of surrounding mirrors, as you say, um, issue men are getting to be more like women in this department.
0: Right. So when 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 this comes up with like your clients, um, what like what is the what's like your main um, tool to help people work on their body image?
1: There, there won't be a main tool, um, but I'll I'll talk about some of the things in some of the ways that it can come up and what we might do about it. One of the common ways um, the whole issue of weight comes up is when we're dealing with life stress and emotional stress period. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people have used um, food as comfort for um, their emotional stress, and they may have learned to do this way back in childhood. there's simple things like growing up in a household that's very food oriented and stuff. That's a different issue, okay? But I, one of the, this particular one probably is the most common way it comes up in my practice, which is about um, how we'll develop. It's a form of um, addiction in the sense that we, we can alter our mood and our stress levels by. The chemistry of food so salty mm-hmm. foods do it one way and sugary foods do it another way and fatty foods do it another way um so something people have their preferences about that depending on their type of biological stress okay mm-hmm. but it is pretty much like any drug in that sense or any other addictive habit that we might develop in response to the desire not conscious desire but the underlying desire or maybe even the need to soothe emotional distress and pain. Now, um, a person who's, let's say, has complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which is a situation that arises out of um, two decades growing up, developmental stress, uh, basically, where a child would be living in the dysfunctional or abusive or troubled household of some kind, Um, and the child needs to continue to function to go to school to grow up to make friends to have a life Um, so there's a lot of energy that has to be kind of walled off Mm -hmm. in order for the child to have energy to do that so um, the walling off process is something that is built into a child's nervous system the capacity to dissociate from whatever struggles are going on and one of my main struggles it could be things like sexual abuse or uh, physical abuse or emotional abuse uh, but it could be just more normal or common stresses like illness in the family or a special needs child in the family or very overwhelmed parents um, or parents who are kind of um, emotionally overwhelmed or physically overwhelmed or financially overwhelmed whatever, whatever kind of problems they have. Um, or could be family that's struggling with marital problems, divorce. I mean, it's almost everybody, (laughs) because it's almost everybody. Um, We have, um, fortunately, in a child's nervous system, they have automatic ways of taking this material and putting it aside, uh, sometimes for a long time, uh, decades, you know, so that we can just go to school, grow up, um, make friends, and continue on with our developmental course. But Inside, like things are kind of falling apart. So, mm-hmm. we have a child who is maybe behaviorally acting out that's one, you know, defense, or a child who is um, always anxious that's another kind of hypervigilant response to mm-hmm. that stress, or a child who's spacey and numb and doesn't know what's going on that's another kind of thing. But the whole addictive department of um, addictive habits of all kinds is a pretty common route to go. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if a child develops that, um, so many things happen then that roll over into adulthood. So if you think of my client who comes to me with marriage problems or personal mood issues or high anxiety, um, that individual may have been born with a genetic predisposition to this low mood, high anxiety Mm -hmm. um, difficulty and or one or the other um was in a family that was stressed um and again most families are stressed because life is stressful So right. some <laughs> right. and yeah and then the child um realizes you know, learns early that something like food can be helpful um to improving his coping abilities when he's little and then um He's practicing, practicing, practicing that coping mechanism for two decades, so it gets mm-hmm. very wired into the brain as mm-hmm. a go-to, automatic, unthinking, and pretty well subconscious response. And so now the person's, you know, maybe my client, age thirty-five or forty-five, and one hundred pounds or two hundred pounds overweight, um, and talking about life, not necessarily food, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's they that didn't come, they didn't come to me as a dietitian or anything; they came mm-hmm. to me. To, stress right but um and when you talk about stress uh, or even when you cure stress the consequences of all that wiring and all the biological changes that happen in a body that's being overfed or underfed or in any other way mistreated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they need their own treatment that for the body part of it okay mm-hmm. so it's like okay now i've worked out i went to therapy i worked out issues um, and my weight just melted away like <laughs> that would be great um, but that's not what tends to happen you know um there'll, there'll be a shift in what the person can now do because so much more energy is freed up they can now address the legacy of their weight you know mm-hmm. their but if they had if they had developed an old eating style because of um stress okay now um that's just one like in a clinical practice that's a common way how an eating thing will be brought forward or brought up um it's like unwanted weight that came as a
0: as an emotional defense that. i have, so I have would you would you say that that's like somebody would come to you and they would be like talking about their stress and not talking about their eating at all and 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 you would see that that's like the common theme or they would say like, and also as an aside, I can't, um, I'm eating a whole box of cookies every night.
1: Um, What tends to happen, there's the kind of client who walks in and right away they wanna deal with their weight and they'll say that at the first session. Um, But there is another type of client who like for example, a client will come and say, "Look, my problem is that now you know I've put this weight on. I can't take it off. I'm not happy about it. Um, I want this therapy to help me with that. That's what they came mm-hmm. for." Right. So there's some, some clients like that, um, but there's a whole other group of people who um, they came to talk about their marriage, to talk about their overwhelm, their anxiety, or their mood. They never mention their weight, even though they have excess weight. It's but it's you know it's not presented as one of their issues but when we do therapy um, usually what happens is after some period of work that we've done in therapy then that person will say um, you know I'm tired of being overweight like they're now kind of ready to get to their weight issue because they Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's it's like you cleared a path in Mm -hmm. all the things that bother them and um, and then it'll come up. That's a pretty common pattern now. Mm, like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know the person was overweight. Sometimes I would do telephone counseling mm-hmm. and I don't even meet the person you know. And mm-hmm. um, I have no idea that they're overweight. And a year later, they're saying like, so like, you know, this 100 pounds I have, I'd like to lose it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't know they have 100 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. But that can happen um, as they become healthier and they realize they don't need to be soothing themselves anymore
0: that way. Mm-hmm and the thing that you said that was really interesting is that a lot of things that you said but the thing that you said about like let's say a child is predisposed to being anxious or low mood right and then they grow up in a stressful situation but you also said most people do so yes. right most people do so so is that like most people are destined to have this like uh, need, like come up with some sort of soothing technique, let's say using food or something else, unless let's say the parents teach them how to cope, like what's the, how do people grow up like functioning properly? That's always my question. And
1: that's right on, that question's a good question, Um, because everybody does need coping mechanisms, even, you know, on a minor scale, let's say our circadian rhythm in the body goes up and down like a wave during the day. And there's times when we have high energy and we're focused and we're ready. And there's times when mm-hmm. we're kind of dipping and we're draggy and mm-hmm. uh, maybe even irritable. And we tend to self-medicate all day long with things like coffee or our yes. sugar treat. or <laughs> So um, that's just to even out our mood, okay? And then um, the whole thing of teaching a child stress management, well, if, if a child grows up in a household where... She sees her parents um, meditating regularly. You know, there's a sign on the door: "Don't bother, mommy." She's meditating for the next 15 minutes, and that's how the kid grows up. You know, mm-hmm. or sees the parents yes, doing yes. yoga. Yeah, um, sees the parents going for therapy. Sees the parents writing in their journals. Sees the sees all these self self-help books lying around the house. You know, <laughs> that's the culture the child grows up in. So the child knows that we address stress psychologically, physically. You know, the parent says things like, "I'm going for my run." And there's the pathological run, which is like the pathological eating, or there's the healthy run, which is the, you know, it's part of my exercise routine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, one is addictive and compulsive and meant to shut everything up inside. And the other one is healthy exercise, just like there's, you know, a good way to eat, for, to nourish our bodies. Mm-hmm. And, and one that's trying to soothe emotions, that's different. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if a child grows up surrounded by parents who model tremendously good uh, stress management skills then that really helps the child especially like in a household where parents are talking about um, those things just not only modeling them but talking about um, the stuff that they do or you know oh I've got such a had such a rough day I'm gonna put some lavender oil on right now oh gosh that feels so much better that's great okay Mm -hmm. in that household versus you know dad's had a hard day or mom's had a hard day and they bring up the bottle of wine Mm -hmm. (laughs) to make things better right Mm -hmm. so kids are always watching and learning well what do the parents do if the parents do nothing the kid will learn from his teenage friends and young adult friends that drugs and alcohol um, cutting starving these things are (laughs) popular among Mm -hmm. that age group Um, so you know, it is it is up to parents to have a good routine for stress management themselves, um, which includes superficial things like herbal teas. and um, It's not that, it's superficial in the sense it's not deep healing, okay? Mm-hmm. Like it's on the surface of calming the nervous system. But calming the nervous system is a very important skill for all of us to have. Right. So the essential oils and the herbal teas and the Bach flower remedies and um, the different kinds of things we can take to, Um, ease our stress and um, ease the way for us to, you know, be productive and healthy and happy. Um, And the deeper things when we need it, like I said, like kids should know about therapy and that um, or, or whatever, deep meditation, whatever it is that the parent does to access deeper levels of
0: renewal and healing and refreshment and so on. Mm -hmm. So yeah,
1: that's education.
0: Yeah. Do you think it's getting better? Like in the in the world. I I feel like, like you said before, most people grow up in a stressful home. And I guess, I mean, from what I see in my own clients, like most people didn't grow up with like the coping mechanisms. That's why um, I always say like food, you have to eat. So you don't have to do drugs and you don't have to drink alcohol, right? To live, but you have to eat. So if food is the only thing you have around and, and like, like, you know, the whole, like, I know you talk a lot about IFS, like the IFS model, like if, if it's, um, if it's there to protect you like the food is that like you said children need to have those coping mechanisms if they can't deal with what's going on and they don't have the better tools
1: yes because we we will find a tool that's why it's so important um for parents even to use as parents to use a tool not just for modeling Mm -hmm. but to help Uh, with emotional management the tool of emotional coaching that is simply naming children's feelings Mm -hmm. is so so important because an unnamed feeling is more likely to be a feeling that has is that becomes overwhelming on the inside and needs to be silenced to stuff down Mm -hmm. you know whether you have to cut yourself to do it or pull Mm -hmm. out all your hair to do it or Mm -hmm. go to jail to do it however you have to do it okay Mm -hmm. um an overwhelming feeling is just overpowers the system. Whereas a parent who says a name for even a very intense feeling is like using a key that opens the door of a cage and that feeling can float out of your heart. So even if the parent says, I can see how desperate you are. if Desperate's a pretty big feeling, but it's never, once you give it a word, it's already shrunk down to the container the size of that word okay Mm -hmm. but without it it's this black endless waterfall that never stops falling it's like a a pit in the the universe it's like it's horrible you need the word so for parents to learn the skill of emotional coaching is very, very helpful for preventing um, the need for the less healthy coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And a kid can name her own feelings as she's writing it out in a journal now. Okay, I feel desperate. Okay, we do it ourselves. Right, We're bringing it down to a manageable level.
0: Wow. That's so powerful. Um, so I was going to say before about in terms of um, using food to cope, and that's what people learn to use. And we were talking about body image, and we were also talking about like, Um, women feeling really badly about themselves in today's culture I don't know if you if you know anything about the the intuitive eating model but basically the first principle is to reject the diet mentality and and the thing that you said about like running like using run as using running as meditative versus um like stuffing everything down so like in terms like the model that I use with my clients is that like yes um You might have used food to cope since you were like a little child and that was the only thing that you had but also like like almost like thanking the food like saying thank you to the food for like being there when you needed it and like now finding better coping mechanisms or like because we were talking about before like um the world at large is like most women don't like the way that they look and there is like we are kind of like conditioned to believe that like if you tried hard enough, meaning like in terms of dieting, like if you tried hard enough, you could be a size two or you could be a size four, right but <laughs> but actually I think I think I just read that the the average American woman is a size 14 but like the average model is like a size two or four. So are well, the uh, changes. Yeah, they they are changing that, but but (laughs) I'm saying like that, that like also the, like the, the research from intuitive eating says that food isn't like chemically addictive, like drugs and alcohol, but the pattern of using food is addictive. And you could use, instead of using food, you could use, I mean, it takes time, but you could find other coping, healthy coping mechanisms. And that for some people thinking that they're addicted to food is like more detrimental because they, they think of it as like, You're right. You're very addicted
1: to the pattern of um, soothing that way. Right.
0: Right. So I, so I like the reason why I was so drawn to the intuitive eating model is also because it's very like, there's so much like self-compassion and there's so much body acceptance, not, not to say that I think people hear about it and they think like that we're throwing away health and we're throwing away like nutrition and not thinking about that. Not at all. There's definitely that component, but it's much more like, like, like realizing where where did this coping mechanism come from and what were you trying to soothe when you were five you know and how did that come to be and like what are other coping mechanisms that you could use and even when you stop using food to cope sometimes people don't even lose weight because um you know there's people do have a set point weight range or they have a certain body type that they're meant to be and yo-yo dieting slows down people people's metabolism so like things like that like I think that I think that that's also really important that people work on like the fact that you can be beautiful at any size, and that you could work on body acceptance or body love. Like I think that that's like so important.
1: Yes, <laughs> I, it's true. Um, Which everything you, what you're saying is true. Um, it's I think that. Um, that's where your expertise would be you know different than somebody like mine because the yeah. that discussion um like the self-hatred or yeah the, yeah. The, yeah um is covered in a broader sense i think in therapy like um it, it doesn't it doesn't quite come up that way you know in uh, the context of therapy that i do but um but just like playing just except when we have something called body dysmorphic disorder and then right. that's the whole name of the game right where yeah but um but i like the you know the idea that um we need to broaden our concept um about beauty i'm just thinking of like the fact that this this has been taken up by the public market and you know um I know I get a, 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 what do you call it, the Land's End catalog. Uh, I've received it for four decades or something in my mailbox, you know, and um, it's certainly different now than it used to be in terms of what they're putting out there as nice looking people. So they have mm-hmm. people of size, they have some mm-hmm. skinny, people, they have some, you know, size 14s and they have some, you know, people who are way past size 14 and um, our eyes are getting used to this. Even the Barbie dolls, you know, came in this, mm-hmm. uh, yeah know, mm-hmm. change it. And this is so healthy for us to go, like, hey, real people look like this. Right? Mm-hmm. We're just real people and we can be so beautiful. Um, so, but self love is a deep concept. And you can't easily just talk at somebody and tell them, you know, uh, you need to just appreciate how, beauty, how beautiful you are, let's say, at any size or whatever it is, or to love yourself at any size, because the parts inside of us that are having trouble doing that are deeper than the cultural messages and images. They're they're really deep. Like, because, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, when people, even the cultural images don't disturb um, like a healthy person's sense of um, being okay. Yeah. But most of us don't have that. It's not that most women are self-hating in their bodies. Most people are self-hating at, <laughs> you know, a lot of different levels. Like, right. just, it's very, yeah, so... Once we get rid of that whole pattern of self-rejection, then this gets scooped up in it as well. You know that and, those traits of compassion and, and so on, but installed at a very deep level inside the different parts of us that hold rejection. You know, for who we are,
0: essentially. Yeah, yeah. When you said like self self hatred or self rejection, that's like it's so. Um, It's such a, it's such a painful, like such painful words to even like hear that. And I I know like, that's something like I struggle with, or I know that that's something that my clients struggle with. And um, I I don't want to say like, how do you like remedy that? But like, how, like, what is a path to heal? How do you know that you're getting better with self-hatred? Or how do you know that? Like, how do you start to heal?
1: I mean, the parts models of psychology are particularly helpful with this, I mean, there's definitely not going to be like a one answer to that because mm-hmm. we're going to do a lot of different things. But um, I like to look at our psyche in the parts model. Now, there's many yeah. different parts models. Um, you may have heard of, you know, Freud's superego, ego, and id, or transactional analysis, peridatal child, or IFS and the you know, firefighters, managers, and exiles, and whatever. Um, There's the trauma models, though, um, which I'm favoring. Um, The TIST model, I don't know if you've heard of it, which is the um, trauma-informed stabilization therapies um, of Janina Fisher. Her stuff, to me, is phenomenal. Um, But all of these models, and a model that I've been using myself um, based on my work, which is very similar to everybody else's models, but we all have our little differences. Um, So anyways, in all of these models, if we we could simplify or collapse them into a bus model where there's a bus driver. So there's a bus seat, Never mind a driver, there's a seat, okay, um, and it's empty. And then there's a barrier between the seat and the passenger side of the bus, and then the passenger side. We could think of it as having many different types of passengers on that bus. And then on top of the bus, there's um, a witness that can look down and see, well, who's in the driver's seat today? And, you know, um, where's the bus going? (laughs) So when you get like a nice adult part in the driver's seat, then that part um, takes care of the whole bus and makes sure that the bus arrives at its destination. That adult, part would know where it wants to go like i want to go to california here's my road map i'm going to take this, this road wrong. and that road i'm going to end up in california okay mm-hmm. but um we find that when a child part pushes the driver out the adult driver away and and takes that wheel um then the bus inevitably crashes because child parts are too young to drive and it doesn't get anywhere near california it's going onto the atlantic ocean you know, mm-hmm. the other um, and we can tell, the witness can tell <laughs> from watching that bus crash, who's been driving. So, um, you know, we want to make sure that the part that is most often in the driver's seat, except when we're playing with our kids and playing with our grandchildren, all that stuff, um, we want to make sure that the part is an adult that is taking us to our overall destination, which means that it can hear a child part cry you know, um, in the passenger section, that child part is hurting, is upset, is overwhelmed, is confused, is, is being rejected, is hurting, and is crying. But instead of allowing that child part to get into the driver's seat, because whoever's in the driver's seat has the ability uh, to steer that wheel. We put the key in the ignition, we steer the wheel, and we go where we're going. So if it's, and, and that means that that person has control of the body, okay, so That person can do the thinking, that person can do the feeling, that person can do the speaking, that person can move the body. That person can reach out and grab some potato chips and cookies or whatever it is and stuff them down the face if it's a child in the Mm -hmm. driver's seat. So um, what we need is for the adult who hears the crying to organize for a babysitter, a therapist, a nurturing mother, some kind of helper person who's also a passenger Mm-hmm. to come and hold and rock that baby so I can drive my bus. you know what I mean this is um, using this model, we can actually do a lot of kind of reorganization of the inner world and, and help ourselves while some parts are hurting. And we need to help ourselves basically unblend because when, um, when we use the word I to describe ourselves, you know like I'm having a horrible day, okay? I'm just gonna have a tub of ice cream right now. That way of thinking, prevents the helping of all the different parts that actually need to help
0: okay so yeah
1: we want to it's about organizing the inner family
0: so interesting such a good it's such a good um visual um okay (laughs) thank you so much for for everything that you shared today and um I'm sure that we could talk for like hours on this topic. I know okay. I know that you have to go, but is well, you know if people are
1: interested, I do a weekly webinar on this stuff, on everything you know uh, through the family circle on um, at Jewish workshops. It's called the family circle. And you can find it on my daily parenting post website, um, in the shopping section. There's a lot of things there, but
0: if you look at the family circle,
1: that's one way to talk about it, literally for hours and hours and, ever and ever, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> every and hour because every week. How, how else can people find you? You're on Instagram. What's your name there? Um,
1: yeah, they can look up my website, sarahfandarachd.com. They can find me on Facebook. They can certainly sign up and, you know, encounter me four days a week on daily parenting posts at the dailyparentingpost.com uh, website. There's just a sign up page there. And um, Instagram, we said Facebook. Um, I have a little bit on Pinterest, but I'm not that active there. Um,
0: but yeah, I'm around. <laughs> okay, great. I'll put a, I'll put all your information in the show notes so people can find you that way. Terrific. Okay, okay. thank you so thank much you. for having
1: me. Thank okay. you for coming
0: on. This was great. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get into it with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.